with your steadfast love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn together to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. If you haven't been with us or this is your first time here, we've been in a series through the book of Proverbs. And we laid the foundation at the beginning. And then now we've been hitting some specific themes or topics that show up in the book of Proverbs. So we covered what it looks like to walk in wisdom or or fear the Lord at the very beginning. And then we carry that into different areas of our lives. So how do we fear the Lord and walk in wisdom in family life, in work, in friendships? Last week, we talked about our words. And this week, we're going to see what does it look like to fear the Lord, to walk in wisdom, to honor him with technology. Technology. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 2. It's on page 528 in the Pew Bible. If you want to follow along there and don't have your own Bible, that'd be a great place, great thing to grab right there in front of you. Page 528. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 from Proverbs chapter 2. Here's what the author says in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we're thinking about what does it look like? The whole book of Proverbs is in this whole context, this whole umbrella of a relationship with the Lord. So it's not just a little bit about the Lord and then all these life hacks or good advice after that. It's all under how to walk in wisdom, how to walk in a way that reflects what the Lord has done to save us and our desire to worship and honor him. And today as we talk about technology, your first question might be and maybe should be, what in the world could an ancient book like Proverbs have to tell us about modern technology? Well, a lot more than you think. And it's actually probably really helpful that this book was written before we have all the technologies that we have today because it's able to speak to us from outside of our own context. But but let me make sure we all know what this sermon is not going to be and what what it's not. This is not about to be a 30-minute rant against technology. It's not what this is. You're not going to hear me. All the young people need to get off TikTok. You need to throw away your smartphones. Come back tonight as we burn all the technology that we have. It's not this. This is not even a list of rules that you're going to leave with. Because there's really no one-size-fits-all rule for the exact right and wise way to use technology because we all have different callings, we all have different responsibilities, we're all in different stages in life. And we need all kinds of people who love the Lord interacting with technology in all kinds of ways. We need people who don't have smartphones or social media or any of that. And we need people in the kingdom of God who are engaged in all of that. We need the whole spectrum. But I pray that the Lord will use the truths that we look at to help each of us view and use technology in a thoughtful way. Not a mindless way, a thoughtful way. You know, many of the devices that we have, smartphones, tablets, computers, they come with default settings on them, 
So you just turn it on, charge it up, it's ready to go. It already has the default settings so that you can just jump in and start using it. And I think many of us approach and think about technology in that way, that we just accept the default setting that this thing is basically good for me. Yeah, there's some bad things you can use technology for, but this is basically good so that we don't think a lot about it past that as long as I don't do the things that are quote unquote really bad. Everything else is fine. Well, I'm for sure not saying that technology is all bad, but rather that we have to use it in a mindful way, a reflective way. Why? Why is that the case? Because I think what we're going to see from Proverbs is that our digital lives reveal our spiritual lives. Our digital lives reveal our spiritual lives. And don't just hear this as like this only applies to apps and smartphones and social media. This is all kinds of technology. Even things that may seem old technology now. This applies to all of those things. What we do with our thumbs reveals our hearts. What you do with your remote reveals your soul. When I, if we look at your watch history or the podcast you love or the favorite channels or your follower list, it reveals the state and shape of your soul. Our digital lives reveal our spiritual lives. So here's what I'd like to do. We're going to move to a few different places in the book of Proverbs. And I've made this very simple and easy for all of us. We're going to start in chapter 2 and then move to chapter 3 and then end in chapter 4. Isn't that beautiful? So easy. Nice stepping stones. We can all walk through this together. Y'all didn't seem as encouraged by that as I was hoping you would. So let's just move on to the, to the next thing. Now, you're not going to see... Proverbs use words like smartphone, social media, but it's, I think it's going to give us some categories to think through. And I want to just uh, word these as three main questions to help us measure what our use of technology says about what's going on in our hearts and hopefully lead us all to a godly and wise way forward. So first question is this, are you pursuing wisdom or information? Are you pursuing wisdom or information. In our digital age, there is no shortage of information. We are bombarded with information, useful and useless, mostly useless probably, depending on what you're looking at most of the time. We are bombarded with information from every direction of our lives. What you see on your newsfeed, what you hear on a podcast, what you watch on a show or a movie, what you watch on the news, what you read in an article or in a news app, constant flow of information in our eyes and our ears. It's always surrounding us. And with it swirling around us all the time, that doesn't mean all information is created equal. It doesn't mean all information is equally good for us or equally valuable to us. That's why the author of Proverbs challenges us with what he says in, in, in chapter 2 that we just read. Let's look there again together. He says in verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, this, these first four verses, it's, it's a father calling his son to wisdom. And we've defined wisdom over the weeks in Proverbs of knowing how to live out God's word and God's world. And he's calling his son to this. And, he's, and it's important to see here all these purposeful action words that you see in these verses. 
He says in verse 2, let's start with verse 1, receive my words, treasure up my commandments. Verse 2, he says, making your ear attentive to wisdom. So paying attention to wisdom. Then he says at the second part of verse 2, inclining your heart. So turning your, your desires, your affections towards wisdom. And he goes on to say in, in verse 3, to call out for insight. These are all synonyms for wisdom here. Raise your voice for understanding. And then lastly in verse 4, seek it like you would seek silver. Search for it like you would search for hidden treasure. All these words explain this kind of active, focused, going after wisdom. I'm, going, I'm searching for it like it's hidden treasure. I'm seeking it like it's silver. And all these words are the opposite of the common ways you and I interact with technology. Because whether you're scrolling through social media or binge-watching a show, the most common use of technology for all of us is just this this passive receiving. You're just scrolling and looking, maybe or maybe not paying attention to what you're scrolling through. And this is why we have to pay close attention here, because... If technology conditions us to just be kind of passive observers, just watchers, we have to pay close attention to the kind of information we're taking in because our habits of information gathering are going to shape our hearts and shape our character and shape how we view ourselves and shape how we view other people and most of all, shape how we view the Lord and what we think about his word. This is why the father is calling his son to seek after wisdom. Yes, in the day Solomon was writing this, nobody had an iPhone. Nobody has social media, but there were plenty of things that could distract you from wisdom. There always has been, there always will be. But he's saying, seek it. And he's saying, seek wisdom because wisdom and information are not the same thing. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. There's a lot you could tell me about the person you'd like to follow on YouTube or social media account that you like to follow or your favorite show on Netflix or your favorite cable news person. You could tell me a lot about that, but that amount of knowledge does does not automatically equate to wisdom, as the Bible explains wisdom. Growing in wisdom is not simply gathering more and more information. It's not simply gathering more and more knowledge. Wisdom is the skill of being able, as information's coming at us, being able to evaluate it Know what lines up with God's word and what doesn't, and then live it out accordingly. We want to receive it in a God-centered way. And this is what the father calls his son to. Look in verse 5. After all these words of paying attention to wisdom, calling out for it, seeking it, verse 5, here's the result. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is the standard and the source of wisdom. True wisdom always comes from him, and we cannot be wise without him, without his word. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, knowing God and experiencing what it means to know him. To go around God on our way to wisdom is a great way to miss wisdom and find folly. And this is what technology tempts us to do. To bypass God 
and still try to find wisdom or find knowledge or find the next kind of life hack or information that we think we need. But if we want to bypass God and think we'll find wisdom, just ask Adam and Eve. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen that way. So not all information is equally helpful. Not all information is equally useful. The information we take in can make our hearts healthy or it can make our hearts sick. It's like the difference between junk food and fruits and vegetables. I know some people, I just, maybe somebody just said, ugh, when I said fruits and vegetables. Might have heard that. But they're, they're, they both give you calories, right? They're both calories. Junk food gives you calories. Fruits and vegetables give you calories. But they're not the same. One and an over of will make you healthy, and one and another overeating will make you sick, unhealthy. And with technology, a constant intake of breaking news, a constant intake of reels, a constant intake of viral memes, a constant intake of the latest political controversy will not give us the nutrients our souls need. No one has ever scrolled social media for 20 minutes or binge-watched YouTube for an hour and left feeling like, man, I feel a lot better now. You, you do that, and then you're like, wow, I did not realize half my day is gone now. There's a, a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that I'd like to read to you. And you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it to you. But it connects with this call to seek out wisdom. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 calls believers, those who follow Christ, to do this. He says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or passing away, temporary. But the things that are seen, unseen, are eternal. For the things that are seen are passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our souls need a consistent diet of what will last forever. Our souls will shrivel up if all we feed it is what is temporary. So our souls need a consistent diet of truth, and this only comes from God himself through his word. So just practically, this may mean that our phones are not the first thing we see in the morning and the last thing we see when we go to bed at night. Or this, practically, this may mean TV is not the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and the last thing you do when you go to bed at night. This, practically, this may mean that we're not always checking our phones constantly throughout the day purposelessly. There is a purposeful looking, but then sometimes you look at your phone like, I'm not even sure why I pulled my phone out of my pocket right now. There's a, there's a lot of studies that, that show these kinds of things, but the most recent one I read says that on average, we check our phones four point, every 4.3 seconds. So again, this is not a, hey, let's all take our phones and just throw them and get rid of them. But like, let's be thoughtful about this stuff. Let's be reflective about this stuff. Let's be people who make a priority of seeking wisdom, of getting into the Lord's word. And, well, maybe I read the Bible on my phone. That's great. That's fine. But we need to make sure we're seeking his word. We're spending time in prayer. I even read an article this week. There's a couple books I would recommend to you that are going to say these things much better than I could. Uh, one is by a guy named Andy Crouch. He wrote a book called The TechWise Family and a follow-up to that called The TechWise Life. He's a really, really thoughtful guy on this stuff. But he says for him, he changed his habit 
He used to wake up every day and immediately look at his phone, check email, do all that kind of stuff, just jump into his day. And same, same thing when he went to bed at night. Last thing he did, check his email, make sure he was up to date on everything. But he said he, he said he changed his habit to now the first thing he does when he wakes up, before he gets coffee or anything like that, is he goes straight outside, just looks around. In his book, in his book, it's really funny. He says, I'm not saying we all need to become Amish, but he said, you might need to become more Amish than you think. In his book, he, he's a very wise guy on this stuff. I would encourage you to read his book. But, but maybe, but this, I'm saying all these examples just to get us to think. Because so much of it is mindless. We don't think about what we're doing with this stuff. So in your use of technology, which are you pursuing more? Are you pursuing wisdom or information? Do your technology habits center you on what is good for you and what is good for those around you? Are you feeding your mind and heart an unbalanced diet or a balanced diet? It takes purposeful hard work to get wisdom. You seek it. You call out for it. You make your ear attentive to it. But that purposeful hard work is worth it. It's worth it. Next question is this. Are you pursuing community or content? Are you pursuing community or content? The idea here is that technology has an unavoidable effect on our relationships. It can be good or it can be bad. Now, let me, it might be helpful if I say here, as I'm talking about all these things, I'm primarily talking about your personal use of technology. I know a lot of you, for your jobs, you have to use technology all the time or for your school, but this I'm primarily just talking about personal use, when you can do with it whatever you want to do with it. But Proverbs speaks to not technology specifically, but we've learned in this book that it has a lot to say about the key relationships God has designed us to live with. So he's designed us to live with a relationship with him, a relationship with our family, a relationship with our friends, and, and neighbors he puts around us, Proverbs speaks to, just the people in the circles, various circles we walk in. So when I ask, are you pursuing community or content, I'm asking, do we use technology in a way that strengthens those relationships or weakens those relationships? This is a helpful way to study the Bible, even if it doesn't speak to exactly the topic you're looking at. Does it speak to other categories that that topic is connected to that are part of every generation of people? So I'm asking, do we use technology in a way that makes our relationships healthy or makes them unhealthy? We'll start with our relationship with God. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. This will be a passage that some of you are very familiar with, and if you're not, it is a great, great passage in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. The father's calling his son to do this. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. If the whole book of Proverbs is about fearing the Lord, these verses right here, 5 and 6, even 7 and 8, we could throw that in there, they're, they're they're a great definition of what it means to fear the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or know him, and he will make straight your paths. It's saying you, you and I can live one of two ways. 
We can live leaning on the Lord or we can live leaning on ourselves. We can live trusting in the creator or we can live trusting in creation. So we have the option here to support ourselves by our own resources or support ourselves by leaning on God's resources. These two options describe the path of wisdom and the path of folly. They describe the path of pride, the path of humility. And for a long time now, technology has been the platform we all use to show which path we're on, which, which path we're walking down. And, and you're, you might immediately think, yeah, I have this friend. He's always, she's always posted. I'm not talking about that friend. I'm talking way before social media, way before smartphones, way before television, even before electricity. We used, as people, we used technology to show which of those two paths we're on. I'm talking all the way back to the Tower of Babel. This happens in Genesis chapter 11. Very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 11. We don't think about this as technology, but the people had just come up with bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. That At that time, that was technology. And the people of the world decided to use that technology to build a tower to make a name for themselves. And people have been using technology to do the same thing ever since then, to make a name for ourselves. So what they did is they hijack God's good gift of technology, which I do think technology is a gift from the Lord. But in the Tower of Babel, they hijack it and use it to rebel against God and exalt themselves instead of exalting him. This is why I say our digital lives reveal our spiritual lives. Do we use technology to lift up and serve ourselves? Or do we use it to lift up the Lord and serve others? Do do our social media and our smartphone habits reveal a constant desire to be seen? Or are we content to be known by the Lord and not have to be seen online? Does the media you watch and what you listen to lead you to trust in the Lord or does it lead you to trust in yourself? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, online and offline. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. But Proverbs doesn't only speak to our relationship with the Lord. It also speaks to our relationship with each other. It says a lot about our relationship with each other. We've seen that over the past few weeks. We've seen, we've talked about friendships. We've talked about family. And I'd like to return to a verse that we referenced the week we talked about friendship. Just one single verse from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. And it says this. This will be on the screen for you. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. There are a lot of really cool and great aspects about technology that connect us with each other. It's incredible. I mean, we're used to it now, but it's incredible that you can have a FaceTime call with someone on the other side of the world. It was not that long ago that that was just completely unheard of, and only in the imagination of people. It does a lot of great things to connect us with each other, but in the midst of those connections, it's really easy to isolate ourselves. Study after study after study shows 
We are living in the most connected generation ever, but experiencing the highest rates of loneliness ever. It's easy with technology to have the illusion of connection that actually covers up loneliness. That we have all these followers, all these comments, all these text messages I'm getting throughout the day, but we lack true flesh and blood friends that know us and we know them. I mean, think about it this way. When, you're, when you go to the doctor or you go somewhere where there's a waiting room and you sit down, you're waiting for your time to call, what's the most common thing everyone in that room is doing? Cell phone, getting it out. When you are waiting in line at Starbucks to get a drink or at the restaurant to get some food or DMV or whatever cool place you wait in line at, what's everybody do? Get your phone out. When you, this is, this is the best spot, when you step onto an elevator and you don't know anybody else on the elevator, and it's even worse where it has like when the doors close, it's just a giant mirror and you're just, everyone's looking at each other. It's really awkward. It's a great place for social experiments and to figure out what's going on. Elevator is for sure a place we can all just get on our phones, right? Like, especially if you don't know anybody else. But it's, it's that constant, there's humans around me, get my phone out. Tony Ranke, in his book, there's another book I would really recommend to you. He wrote this book called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. Really helpful, really thoughtful book. But he says this, our phones are portable shields that we wield in public in order to keep us from human interaction. They are. They are. I've been guilty of this. We've all been guilty of this. So we have to ask, do we use technology in a way that brings us together or pulls us apart? Technology is a good gift from God. But if it keeps us from being present with the people God has put around us, we aren't using it in a way that fits God's design. Think about your relationship with your spouse. How does technology affect that? Think about your relationship with, with your kids or with your parents? Is everyone just in the house on their own devices? Or do our kids just grow up thinking of our, remembering us as always being on our phones? Think about your relationship with your friends. Do our tech technology habits keep us from seeing the needs of people that God has put around us? So practically, this may mean probably should mean that when we're sitting down to a meal with other people, we put away our phones and just sit and talk. Well, that's kind of awkward and that's kind of hard. Well, wisdom is hard. Wisdom takes work. Loving people takes work. This might mean finding ways to, and again, this is not all like get rid of technology. This might mean finding ways to use technology in a way that brings you together with other people rather than separating you from other people. I've seen families do this really well, where they do this cool video game together, or they watch a movie together, or they're interacting with this little app together. Those are ways to use technology that bring people together rather than separate you. And this may also mean, it should mean, that we are more passionate about investing in relationships with real people than we are about winning online debates or arguments. God has created us for relationship with other people, and it's messy, and it's awkward, and it's amazing all at the same time. He's created us for relationship with him, 
And so our use of technology should serve the good purposes God has designed in the world. Do you, are you pursuing community or content? Last question. Last question to, to think about this morning. Are you pursuing devotion or distraction? Are you pursuing devotion or distraction? The kind of technology that surrounds us today makes us live in a culture that's really noisy. Visually, audibly, everything in between. And it makes us very easily distracted. And these distractions can be harmful to us spiritually. Our spiritual lives reveal our digital lives. Our digital lives reveal our spiritual lives. So we have to think about what are these distractions doing to us. And Proverbs speaks to this. I told you we'd look at chapter 2, chapter 3, we're going to end in chapter 4. So if you're not there, look look there with me. Chapter 4 of Proverbs, the very end of chapter 4, starting in verse 25. This is all still the father speaking to his son, calling him to wisdom. And we looked at verses 23 and 24 last week when we were talking about our words. But this week I'd like for us to look at verses 25 through 27. Listen to the father's language to his son. Verses tw- starting in verse 25 of chapter 4. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. In these verses and in other places in Proverbs, the father is calling his son to this godly concentration, this holy focus, that those who walk in wisdom, those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways that live out the way of Jesus, they focus on truth. But a fool just looks everywhere else. A fool is easily distracted. A fool being someone who's, who doesn't fear the Lord, who's not walking in his ways. And the more we keep our focus on the Lord and his truth, the more we walk in wisdom. Where you and I put our attention shapes what our souls are trusting in. It shapes what we're living for. You think about it this way. Eve, after she turned her focus away from the Lord and his commandment and to the forbidden fruit, she disobeyed God. In the New Testament, Peter, when Jesus called him out on the, on the water to walk to him on the water, when he turned his focus away from Jesus and looked at the waves, he began to sink. All of this is calling us to pay attention to what we pay attention to. If we allow ourselves to become distracted, we're going to weaken our devotion to the Lord. He says in verse 25, let your eyes look directly forward. And your gaze be straight before you. Verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. He's saying keep walking the path of wisdom. Resist distractions. Avoid distractions. Be devoted to the Lord and stay on that path. Why does he have to call his son to that? Because it's really hard. And there's constantly distractions that are calling us, well, come over this way. Come over this way. Charles Spurgeon said this about our distractions and our devotions. He said, permit not your minds to be easily distracted or you will often have your devotion destroyed. If you and I allow ourselves 
to be governed by alerts and notifications and the lure of the next click. We're going to lose an awareness of God's presence, and we're going to lose an awareness of the sense of his calling on our lives. We're going to lose sight of the ways he's at work in us and all around us. Another author said, it's difficult to serve God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind when we're diverted and distracted and multitasking everything. We've all likely seen, or maybe we can just kind of quietly raise our hand, been the person who's walking, looking at something on our phone, and you bump into something or a person, or you fall over, seen that? It's always fun to watch that, not be that person, like watching those videos. But that is such a metaphor for our culture, that we're, we're so engaged with what's happening here, or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be just a phone, that we're, we're not aware of what's going on around us. If, if we allow technology to distract us, that's the very thing that happens to our hearts, is we're so engaged here, we don't realize where our feet are walking, spiritually. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. When your mind can think about whatever it wants to think about, not when it's focused on work, not when it's focused on a task, not when you're thinking through something specific, when your mind can just drift to wherever it wants to drift to, what does it think about? What fills your thoughts? Are you wondering if you got any likes on that most recent post and how many people liked it and if that one person liked it that you really want to like it, liked it? Are you thinking about how to get to that next level in that video game that you're playing right now? Are you thinking about the political controversy they were just talking about on cable news and how mad that makes you every time they mention that person's name? None of these things are fully bad or wrong. But if that's the main thing that's filling our minds, our hearts have been distracted. And one of the reasons you and I, this is not me just saying this to you, this is me preaching this to myself too, One of the reasons you and I struggle to experience God's presence in our lives is the noise and distraction that's all around us that we don't do anything about. It's Because it's it's a lot easier to post something than it is to spend five minutes in prayer. Just It's easier, way easier. It's a lot easier to stream something than it is to sit down and read my Bible. It's just just how it is. So practically... This may mean turning off notifications and alerts on your devices. For me, like just as I'm trying to grow in this myself, just I'm not, this is not a command from the Lord. This is just a way I'm trying to live this. The only thing I get notifications about right now are text messages and phone calls. I don't get any notifications about emails or anything like that. Because I just found myself constantly checking my phone when it told me to, not when I decided it was the right time to check my phone. Practically, this may mean, this is a recommendation from, from Andy Crouch in his book, The TechWise Family. He says his family, he himself, they try to have a fast from technology, like no technology, one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year. Just to remove yourself from it so you're in control of it, it's not in control of you. Do our technology habits distract us from genuine devotion to the Lord, from single-minded devotion to the Lord? 
The writer of Proverbs says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. He's saying live with both eyes on Jesus in the midst of a technological culture. We don't leave here yelling at our culture about technology. There's some incredible things that we can do now, even in ministry life, because of technology. And actually, there's a lot of advances in technology that should make it possible for us to spend more time with each other and more time with the Lord and more time doing the things that he's called us to do in our jobs and in our community. But we want to think about it carefully, and we want to maintain and grow this devotion, focus on the Lord. And you're going to hear this echoed in one final place we'll go this morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is where we will end this morning. All the way in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12. Right after Titus, Philemon, then Hebrews. As you may know, Hebrews 11 is just story after story after story, example after example after example of men and women of the faith who, who maintained in the midst of all kinds of distractions and difficulties and hardship, who maintained by faith in the Lord a devotion to the Lord. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, okay, I've shown you all these examples. Now, here's the call to you, Christian. And he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside distractions. Let us lay aside anything slowing us down from pursuing the Lord. And sin, which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The writer of Hebrews doesn't stop right there, but that verse 1 is Proverbs 4. Look straight before you. Walk straight before you. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. But I love that he adds verse 2 because this brings us back to the whole context of the book of Proverbs, a relationship with the Lord. That we do these things not because we're just trying to be good moral people. But we lay aside weights and sins and we run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a description of Jesus in the Gospels that I love, and it says that he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. That's focus, that's devotion. There were a lot of things along the way that could have distracted Jesus from what he was going to do in Jerusalem. And there were a lot of people that wanted him to be distracted. But he would say things like, no, my hour has not yet come. Because he was devoted. His face was set. And when he got to the cross, on the cross, what we see is an evil technology. God created trees. But mankind in the day of the Roman Empire and their criminal justice system used those and brought about the technology to crucify people on crosses. A misuse of technology, but God in his powerful mercy hacked man's purposes and what man meant for evil, God meant for good. For my salvation and for your salvation. 
and evil was defeated and salvation was accomplished by God working through the technology of Jesus' day. And what God did through technology in Jesus' day is meant to shape how we use technology in our day. That it's meant to help us look to Jesus. It's meant to help us walk in his ways. So I hope you hear this. Man, I hope you hear this. This is not a call to just stop using technology altogether. I just trust the Lord to apply it to you as he sees fit. But it's just a call for us to start using it thoughtfully. And some of you are already good at this. I know from conversations, look up to people like that. But we want to use it thoughtfully because our digital lives reveal our spiritual lives. And I would suggest this. This is another suggestion from that book, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, that that really hit me hard when I was reading it. He said, on a regular basis, set down your phone for a moment and go outside. He says, when you go outside, hold your palm up like this. And he says, imagine all of history going a mile that way to the left. And he said, imagine a line going on for eternity to the right. He says, your time on earth is about the width of your palm. So do we really want our time on earth to be about social media and YouTube videos and video games and Netflix and cable news and podcasts? All those things seen in light of eternity can be good things. But they can't be the main thing. Because when you and I get to our deathbed, we're not going to be asking for our phones. We're going to say, I want to see my friends. I want to see my family. I can't wait to see Jesus. So we want to use technology now in a way that acknowledges my time on earth is not the period. But I want to see it in light of eternity. And most of all, see it in the light of the glory of Jesus.